Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Hey everyone and welcome to Pushing the Limits. Today I have uh, Dr. Bill Laurence to guest. Now this is going to be one heck of a ride. Now this is a little bit different than my usual podcast where I interview the guests. Um, this time I actually uh, just handed over to the reins to Dr. Bill Laurence. Now Dr. Bill Laurence is a attorney. He has an, uh, a master's in psychology and also a PhD in nutrition. So he's a scientist and he's been working since 1990 on slowing and reversing human biological aging. Uh, and he's an expert in, in anti-aging and longevity science. Uh, he is also associated with the St. Petersburg Gerontology and today's topic is all about bioregulators and he is the administrator of a couple of different clinical studies that are looking at age reversal and um, what we can do with these bioregulators and I'm super excited about bioregulators. You've heard me talk about peptides on this podcast if you listen uh, regularly Um, and I've done talks on uh, the sort of normal peptides and then the bioregulator peptides and this is uh, based on the work from Professor Cabinson uh, from Russia, uh, who's been doing this since the 1950s and had uh, absolutely amazing results, uh, life extension, uh, telomere lengthening, uh, reversal of a lot of the age-related decline, uh, reduced risk uh, in, in mortality and morbidity with the use of these bioregulators. And so I've been studying this area now for, for over six months, and I'm very, very excited to have the privilege to interview Dr. Dr. Laurence. Uh, he is himself 77 years of age and he has a vested interest in, in, in slowing the aging clock. And I think we all do really, if we're into um, living a healthy and long life, it's uh, definitely what we want. Um, so I want you to just pay really close attention to this episode if, if you're wanting to slow the aging process down, if you're wanting to reverse it. And uh, Dr. Bill is, is is such a generous and kind man and just absolutely wonderful at explaining his clinical research, where it's currently at, what it's looking like doing, and what we can do about uh, aging. So I hope you're really... Uh, up for a jaw-dropping episode. <laughs> it's really, really exciting, and I'm hoping to be a part of Dr. Laurence's uh, clinical research trials uh, shortly with a little bit of luck. So cross your fingers for me, and I'll be able to report back. As an end of one, I have been taking one bioregulator peptide that I've managed to get um, one for uh, called Epitalin, and um, without going into too much details, I've managed to uh, reverse many menopause um, currently. So that's just an end of one experiment. Um, but that's the sort of thing that's, you know, the ovaries are one of the, the organs that age relatively quickly, um, quicker than some of the other organs. So it is the first sign that things are, um, something's happening. So without that being, you know, too conclusive, it's an end of one. But uh, if you're wanting to find out more, please reach out to me. Um, and if you're wanting to find out about uh, being in this clinical research, Dr. Bill is uh, enrolling people 
Um, there are some things that have to be cleared beforehand, but if you are interested, please reach out to me. Don't reach out to Dr. Bill, reach out to me. And um, I'm going to also put some links in the show notes to a couple of other YouTube videos with Dr. Bill, uh, one with my friend Natalie Nidham and one with my friend Michelle Hughes, uh, where he goes a little bit more into the background, to the background story. Today was a different uh, presentation. So if you want to know a little bit of the history, the very long history of bioregulators, then you can check that out as well. So without further ado, over to Dr. Bill Laurent. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome into Pushing the Limits today. I'm super, super, so excited. I've been up all night studying and preparing for this. And uh, I'm just really, really honored to have Dr. Bill Lawrence on the show with me today. Now, Dr. Bill is a attorney. As I will give his full intro in the proper introduction. He's an attorney and a PhD and he is running a clinical trial, which we're going to be hearing all about today that, you know, if you're into longevity and anti-aging, which if you listen to my show, you definitely are, then you need to pay attention. Stop what you're doing and pay attention. So welcome to the show, Dr. Bill. Wonderful to have you. Well, I'm pleased to be here and I'm going to uh, start the share screen. Here we go. Okay, can you, can you, uh, Lisa, can yep. you see that? Okay, we got it. Um, the presentation I'm going to make is basically a lot of uh, PowerPoints. Um, and I should have asked you earlier, um, are most of your people going to see this on, on YouTube PowerPoints or is it a podcast that they'll listen to? It's both. So we will try and get everybody to go over to the YouTube to actually look at the slides as well. But if you are listening on the podcast, then yeah, make sure that at a later point you go and re-watch this actually over on YouTube. Okay. The reason I ask is that uh, for the people who are just going to be listening, I'll provide a little more detail when I'm looking at some of these slides. Uh, yes, please. Quickly going through them. Um, so, um, yes, my name is uh, Dr. Bill Lawrence, and I have been interested and involved as a researcher first and a scientist for about 30 years now in the longevity field. And we, I'm the administrator of two clinical studies, uh, one having to do with telomeres, the other having to do with DNA methylation, or the short uh, term is epigenetic aging. What we have done is the clinical studies, the telomere study started about seven years ago. We have a massive amount of data showing that we can lengthen telomeres, and I'm going to go through that data, some of it, in a few moments. The DNA methylation study started just before COVID, so we're three-plus years there. We also have very good data, very successful clinical study. And what we have done is taken those two clinical studies and created a biological um, aging protocol. We call it the peptide bioregulator protocol. We've created a program or a protocol for uh, longevity based on the clinical studies. So we have the two clinical studies that are the data, the evidence that proves the, what the program can do is basically do uh, result in organ regeneration, mortality reduction, and biological age reversal. As an attorney and also as a scientist, um, I believe that you have to have evidence as an attorney or in the science world, we call it data. 
if you don't have evidence and data, then it's not real for me. And so I attend, you know, numerous medical conferences and so forth. And speakers will get up and talk about this wonderful product or wonderful substance uh, or discovery and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if they don't have human evidence or human data, I don't pay much attention to it because uh, animal studies do not successfully uh, transfer over to human studies 100% of the time. Okay, So let's get uh, started here. Um, the program is called Forever Young Peptide Bioregulator Protocol, and it's the goal of it is to accomplish three things. One is the organ regeneration. The second is the is mortality reduction. And the third is biological age reversal. And so this presentation is divided up into those three sections. Okay. Um, this is just a, a screenshot of, of what that program is all about. As I say, organ regeneration, mortality reduction, and biological age. I, I do this work in conjunction with Professor Validima Cavinson uh, from St. Petersburg, from the Institute there, who is the original scientist that developed these peptide bioregulators literally a long time ago in the 1970s. Um, this is two statements that well-known people have made. Uh, for those that are just listening, uh, Steve Jobs said, it's really clear that the most precious resource we all have is time. And since C Steve Jobs died prematurely, it mm -hmm. really does underscore what he was saying, is that the, the most precious resource we do have is time. It's not money. It's not if we're famous, well-known, all the rest of that stuff. It's do we have longevity? Do we have time on this earth? Uh, the other quote is from Thomas Edison, where he says, time is really the only capital that any human being has and the only thing he can't afford to lose. And so it doesn't matter what one's bank statement or net worth is. If you're not healthy and don't have longevity, then you really have not capitalized on what's possible in this life. And I've spoken to many people who would say, who have told me that they would trade their immense fortunes if they could have 15, 20 years of additional healthy life. I mean, I love that. Yeah, this slide, I, I'm making the statement, in God I trust, everyone else has to produce the data, okay? <laughs> um, and this is very true. The one exception to this would be, there's a few uh, scientists out there that I have great faith in. Of course, I have a lot of faith in Professor Cavins. If they tell me something is so, I'll believe it. But on the whole, if I don't have the data, I have no ability to substantiate you know, what they're claiming and so forth. So as an attorney, as a scientist, they better produce the data. Um, this slide with a skip through, it shows a courtroom setting basically to underscore as an attorney, I need to have the evidence. As a scientist, I need to have the data. And our clinical studies have both evidence and the data as I'm going to show it to you. So there are half, there's at least a dozen different biomarkers for uh, aging, for biological aging. Uh, there's, in other words, many ways that we can measure biological aging. The two that we've chosen, that's telomeres and DNA damage or DNA methylation, are the two that are the easiest to track and analyze because we can use blood tests to determine a person's DNA status, their telomere status, the others that I know that people listening can't see, but things like 
imbalanced metabolism, inefficient cell communication, stem cell exhaustion, gene expression errors, and so forth. You can't easily measure those things. And so we chose telomeres and DNA for our clinical studies to, and what we're what we were using them for is to show that the peptide bioregulators that we're going to talk about in more detail have the ability to favorably impact telomeres and DNA methylation. So the two studies, there's a telomere, or what we call a telomerous activation, and the second study is the DNA methylation. The telomerous activation started about six years ago. We're sort of into our seventh year, the DNA methylation about third year coming into our fourth year. Uh, COVID sort of slowed us down a little bit. The slide that I'm looking at shows a person trying to pull the clock hands back, in other words, reverse them. And a client sent this to me some years ago and said that, Bill, this is what you're doing. You're trying to pull you know, the, 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 the clock back and reverse the time. And that is true. And I and many others try and do that by doing things like exercise, clean diet, a variety of supplements, things like hyperbaric uh, interventions. Love it. Uh, yeah, a whole list of things that we do. And all of those are wonderful. And what we're trying to do there is slow the aging process down. And that had been my focus as well. Then what happened was that I came across the Russian uh, peptide bioregulators, and I'll get to it in more detail, but what I realized was that with the bioregulators, it isn't so much slowing the aging clock down, it's extending, it's, it's creating a longer clock. So instead of a 12-hour clock with the bioregulators, you could have an 18-hour clock or a 20-hour clock. In other words, you can extend the longevity or lifespan. So the program that we've created has three aspects to it. Uh, the first is organ regeneration. In other words, a person who's 50 or 60 years old had been using these organs, just like you use an automobile or any other tool or a piece of equipment, been using those organs for 50, 60, 70 years. And there's a certain amount of deterioration, wear and tear, et cetera. And so the first aspect of this program is how do we regenerate these organs? Can we take a kidney, for instance, and restore its functionality to what it was when we were 25 or 30 years old? Can we do that with the liver? Can we do that with, with uh, all the major organs, the heart, the pancreas, et cetera, et cetera? So I'm going to show in a moment the uh, before after of organ regeneration to show that the peptide bioregulators can create organ regeneration. The second aspect that we're going to talk about after organ regeneration is, can the bioregulators reduce mortality? In other words, can it lengthen people's life by keeping them alive for a longer period of time? And then the third aspect to it all is what we call the biological age reversal. Can we actually reverse a human being's biological age? And a lot of people will say, well, that's kind of sci-fi. That's really speculative and so forth. But we have two biomarkers, the two I spoke of earlier, that is the telomeres and the DNA methylation, that serve as proxies or surrogates for age, uh, biological age assessment. And we're going to show that in our lab work uh, that we can successfully lengthen telomeres, which 
results in a longer life and less disease. We can modify DNA methylation, which also re reverses the uh, epigenetic age, makes it younger. Uh, and we have the data to prove all of that. So we're going to start with, this is a, a picture of how we generally consider aging. We start off younger, uh, we go through middle age, and then we get to our senior years, and we look older, skin changes, we become somewhat more frail, we also become vulnerable to age, aging diseases. That's the accepted paradigm around the world of the aging process. Professor Cavinson and I have a different, um, this slide shows, you know, a young person, middle-aged and so forth, then the beginning of getting older, and then all of a sudden the person basically gets um, restored to a much more middle-aged type of person. That's what these pictures show. So that instead of showing um, the end of life as being frail and weak and, and vulnerable to disease, this person it looks like they're very healthy middle-aged, and that's what we can accomplish with the bioregulators, and that's what I'm going to show you with the evidence. This is so exciting. <laughs> um, there are a couple of YouTube uh, interviews that I've done over the last few years that goes into the detail, the background of the peptide bioregulators, how they work, and so forth, so I'm not going to spend time on that. There's also a slide at the end of this presentation that refers to those YouTubes, but the real quick uh, version of this is that uh, peptide bioregulators, they're simply short chain chains of amino acids, and amino acids are the small molecules that basically are produced by food. And when you link various of these amino acids together, they become what we call peptides. If you link a whole bunch of them together, more than about 50 of them, we call them proteins. And everyone is familiar with the proteins that we get from our food and so forth. So these are very small chains of just a couple of amino acids. And as a result, they have tremendous advantages I know the people listening can't see this, but if it's a small chain of amino acids, then the bioregulator made up of those small chains can bind with the DNA. And I have a, a, a scheme or a picture here of how that binding process takes place. And it's that binding process to the DNA that results in the organ regeneration, the mortality reduction, and the longevity uh, aspects of this. So where do they come from? They come from the organs and tissues of animals. Typically, these amino acids, they're natural extracts from 12-month-old calves. Um, they're highly processed, screened, and so forth. And those people who might have a history of, say, uh, thyroid uh, issues, thyroid hormone issues, who take some kind of thyroid medication, if they take the natural form of it, in it's usually called armor and uh, nature thyroid, those come from pigs, from, from young pigs. And so this is not a novel concept to take uh, substances from an animal. In fact, long, long before the pharmaceutical industry, all medicines came from animals or plants. They didn't have drugs as we know them now. Uh, what the amino acids can do in these bioregulators <laughs> Once we, once we take them from an animal, is they actually can activate your genes for cellular regeneration. And I'm going to show you the proof of that a little bit. Um, and what that results in is a rejuvenation of human organs and system. 
Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatamati.com. That's patron.lisatamati.com and check it all out. It's a bit like a, a gene switch, Dr. Bill, where you know it can turn genes on and off. Yes, in terms of the DNA methylation, that's absolutely what they do. They go through, and I think I have a slide that talks about that a little bit later. They go through, and we have genes that basically um, cause accelerated aging. We have genes that actually slow the aging process down. And in a complicated uh, uh, process, these peptides can actually turn on the genes that we want turned off and turn off genes that we don't want turned on. And the, the lab reports I'm going to show you will prove that. Um, where this all started from, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but the Russians back in the 1970s, um, they found that when they were sending out their submarine people on fairly crude submarines that were built in the 50s and early 60s that had nuclear reactors in them, very crude, very crude protection, that after three or four months at sea, the submarine personnel were coming back with all sorts of medical issues, primarily um, thymus, uh, immune system deterioration. And so the Soviet Union military basically said to a group of scientists and doctors, you need to figure out what can be done because we can't have our submarine corps all coming back with all of these medical problems. Um, and so they threw huge amounts of money at a group of scientists of which Professor Cabinson was the lead to figure out what they could do to both prevent as well as to intervene to fix any of these problems. And they successfully did so by creating these peptide bioregulators that they sourced from animals. So they went on then and they used them in their cosmonaut, uh, cosmonaut program for the Soviet Union because they found that when the cosmonauts were coming back from space, they also had thymus problems as well as muscle problems. Uh, they had uh, cognitive uh, functioning issues and so forth. And so they kept on developing more and more peptides, and they used them very successfully with the cosmonauts. Uh, the Russians call them cosmonauts. We call them astronauts. Um, then they started using them with the various uh, Olympic programs. And this is a slide of Professor Cavinson in the, in the middle with a young group of young girls on the gymnastic Olympic team. They would use the peptides to regenerate muscles, joints, uh, ligaments, and so forth from the obvious beating that, you know, that they would take as gymnasts and so forth. And so they would give these peptides to the gymnasts and the Russians generally did quite well in the gymnastics competition at the Olympic le level. And part of it was that they were able to keep the gymnasts very healthy. Wow. Okay. I could um, have done with that as an athlete. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely, uh, Lisa, for you. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to go through this, but what I'm going to be showing at several different stages here 
is that the Russians published clinical studies years and years ago uh, confirming that the peptide bioregulators could accomplish you know, all of these wonderful things like longevity, tissue repair, organ regeneration. So this is a publication that was done in nine, or, um, 20, uh, 2000, basically. No, I'm sorry, 2013. Um, this is report number two, the results of clinical trials using peptide bioregulators. The point of this is that they were publishing in Russian, uh, in this case, uh, almost 10 years ago, the results of these peptide bioregulators. But unfortunately, there's not much uh, sharing of medical health information, scientific information between Russia and America. Um, they, and it's primarily the problem in America. America tends to kind of look only inward in terms of, of clinical studies and so forth. They're not really open to looking at, you know, what the Chinese have found, what the Russians have found, what the, they'll look at the Israeli uh, studies. Uh, it turns out of interest, Iran is one of the leading scientific centers in the world. And yet we don't even look at what the Iranians have been able to accomplish. But anyway, this is a published clinical study more than 10 years ago uh, talking about the, and this was report number two. The, the first report was even about five or 10 years earlier than this one. There are 21 of what we call the peptide cytomaxes or the regular uh, peptide bioregulators. And they are, there is a, peptide basically for all the major organs. And so I'm looking at a chart here that is listing the various names that we use for the peptides and the organ that they relate to. So for instance, there's pineal gland peptides, there's adrenal peptides, there's uh, kidney peptides, there's brain peptides, there's bone marrow peptides, there's pancreas, liver, testes, thyroid, uh, arterial vessels, there's retina eyes that we're going to talk about in a moment, and so forth is peptides for the ovaries. So there are peptides for all the major organs. And these are all the natural ones uh, sourced from, from the 12-month-old calves. So let's go into the first of these three. This is organ regeneration. This is now the attorney evidence, the scientist lab work evidence that we're going to look at. And so this slide shows um, peptide bioregulators and the restoration of retinal functions. Um, in the United States, uh, retina issues are very difficult and in fact, pretty much impossible to improve. So diseases like macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, uh, glaucoma and so forth, Basically, there's not much of anything that in that Western medicine can do to even slow down, much less stop the progression. But with the peptide bioregulators, I'm going to show you a series of before and after slides. We call these field of vision slides. Wow. Um, in other words, it determines basically what your vision capability is. Um, and so we have in this slide on the left-hand side, we have a field of vision scan. Uh, before any treatment with the bioregulators. And what this shows is for diabet diabetic retinoplasty, it shows where you see green, that means they have good eyesight there. Where you see yellow, it's somewhat impaired. Where you see red, it's even more impaired. And where you see black, it's completely gone at that point. So what we're seeing in the before slide of field of vision is in the central area, there's a fair amount of green, but 
once you get out of the central uh, retina area, it all becomes black and yellow and red. In other words, this person has almost no peripheral vision whatsoever. They can only see directly. And one, one person said to me, like looking through a straw is mm. what it is. On the right-hand side, though, this is post-treatment about two years later. Uh, it's almost all green. There's just a small amount of black. There's a very small amount of yellow and red. The rest of it's green. In fact, I would say ooh, 90, well, actually, they show the percentage here, 94% on the uh, second slide, the, the after-treatment slide, is green. Okay. And there's another um, biomarker here. We call these scotomas. In other words, scotomas is basically defined as blind spots in the, in the retina. And so this patient at presentation uh, baseline had a score of, there were 52 of these blind spots. Blind spots would basically be the black and the red that we see in, in the field of vision test here. So before treatment, they had 52 of these blind spots. After treatment, they had seven, a reduction from 52 to seven. Amazing. So the next one is macular degeneration. Very common here in the United States. Uh, again, unfortunately, very little to nothing can be done about it. So again, we're looking at field of vision. And on the left, this is before treatment, there's a lot of black, yellow, red. Outside of the center, there is a fair amount of green. So this person has no central vision at this point, but they have peripheral vision. After treatment of a couple of years, the black, red, and yellows has been uh, reduced by, I would say, probably two-thirds when I look at it here. And so what they've recovered is a fair amount of central vision. This person could probably, in, uh, at before treatment, probably couldn't drive an automobile because they'd be trying to turn their head and look out of their peripheral vision. After treatment, probably, and I can't say for certain, but probably they would have enough central vision that they could drive a car. Now, if we look at the scotoma again, they started off with 30, and after treatment, they were down to eight. In other words, 30 blind spots, eight uh, blind spots after treatment. And this is retinitis pigmentosa, um, progressive disease, no treatment available here in the United States. Um, same kind of situation where uh, at baseline before peptide bioregulators, we have a huge amount of black at this point. This person has very, very limited peripheral vision, uh, virtually almost really none. They're basically pretty much blind at this point. Two years later, they have a significant amount of green or vision around the peripheral and additional central vision. I have two young boys that came to me, I would say, actually their parents came to me about, um, wow, probably 10 years ago. I'm not a doctor, so I can't you know, be practicing medicine, giving medical advice, but they went to their doctor. That doctor knew that I was running or doing something with these peptides, sent them to me. The boys were 13 and 15, two brothers. Both of them had been diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa, or as we call it, RP. They had been diagnosed within a year of each other. It's a genetic disease that tends to skip a generation. Uh, unfortunately, they had both been diagnosed as, say, at 13 and 15. Um, and it wasn't severe at that point. Um, it was, in fact, impacting their peripheral vision, their central vision. Uh, they were wearing glasses at that point for compensation. 
So we put them on the vision peptides and a couple of other, the arterial peptide, the brain peptide, et cetera. That was 10 years ago. Um, within about six months, their night vision, which is often impaired initially, uh, improved. Um, and you know, within about a year to year and a half, their next eye exam showed improvement, a tiny bit of improvement, but no loss, no, no uh, regression at that point, which is unusual because it's a, it's a regressive type of disease. They've been tested every year since. Their vision has gotten better and better. They're off wow. the glasses. They're driving a car. They're going to have a family. They're going to, in other words, they're going to have a normal life at this point because their vision is, for all intent and purposes, pretty normal at this point. We I don't think. know if they can go off of the peptides. They ask me this every year. Can we go off the peptides? And I said, I have no idea at this point. If you want to experiment, we could. And they say, no, no, we don't want to experiment. No, definitely not. <laughs> but the nice thing is the the program we have them on, it, it, unlike um, Western drugs, you know, where you're taking a drug every day for the rest of your life, with these peptides, they only take two capsules a day for 10 days out of each month. So it's so not easy. like a burdensome problem for them to just stay on it. Um, and there are no side effects because these are animal extracts. There are literally no adverse effects at all. So they don't have an issue with staying on this. And I certainly advise them. I don't think I want to experiment by taking you off. And because it's much easier to uh, to maintain than it is to lose something and try and, and recoup it. Oh, yes, I know that very well. <laughs> yes. So what we have here is proof of, of uh, we can see, no pun intended, we can see that with retina, which is an organ, that these peptides dramatically can change these, such, these uh, disease states that cannot be addressed in basic Western medicine at all, and with a very safe protocol, just the, the peptides. Um, this is a, a separate uh, clinical study that was done, a large clinical study. It isn't about organ regeneration. It's about morbidity. In other words, the amount of sickness that people might have. And so the Russians... They did a study of Ukrainian and Russian people who were working up in the basically Siberia in very difficult, challenging environments. Uh, they were working for Gazprom, which is the major oil and gas discovery uh, company in Russia. And what they did was they had 11,192 employees in this clinical study. They ran the clinical study for a year. The purpose of it was to see if people using some peptides could reduce the sickness or the number of days that they were off of work. So they used six different peptides in this particular clinical study. Uh, they used the immune peptide, the blood vessel peptide, the lung peptide, the liver peptide, and the cartilage peptide uh, for a year. And they had a control group in this study of 3,000 employees who didn't receive the peptides. So 11,000 were on the peptides, 3,000 of the employees were not on the peptides. And the results were, they had a 2.7 time reduction in respiratory diseases during that year. In other words, the people on the peptides reduced their respiratory issues in this very extreme Siberian um, environment, 2.7 times, which is just a huge number. They reduced in terms of total morbidity, in other words, total sickness from any cause. They reduced in the peptide group this by 2.3 times. So huge reduction in these 
various illnesses, which meant that people were still working, they were drawing their wages, the company was you know, still producing their products and so forth, not having to deal with lots of um, sick time off. Okay, so the second part of this, there's three phases. This The first part was the organ regeneration, and I've shown you um, proof before and after that the peptides can regenerate organs. We also have, uh, not shown here, but I have about 100 doctors in the clinical studies. They use these peptides for themselves. They use them for their patients. And so I have lab reports that come back from the doctors showing, for instance, with kidney uh, issues, that a person who's been on a kidney peptide for six, eight, 10 months can significantly uh, reduce kidney damage and degeneration. There are several of the doctors who have had uh, patients who are on dialysis, but after a year, they come off of dialysis wow. because the kidneys, kidney organs have been restored. Wow. Okay, so now we're into mortality reduction. In other words, let's reduce the death rate, okay? Uh, and create longevity for these people. I'm showing here on the screen a clinical study that was published in 2002. Uh, this clinical study is titled Peptides of Pineal Gland and Thymus Prolong Human Life. In other words, a couple of the peptides, the one for the pineal and the one for the thymus, were able to significantly reduce mortality or the death rate of these people. The studies were over various time frames. Uh, one was a six year, one was an eight year, one was a 12 year. And that's described in this uh, published clinical study. It was done as of say in 2002. Um, now I'm showing you a uh, summary of or a, a graphic summary of the results. So let me walk everyone through. We had two groups of people. We had a, what they call an elderly people group and that group was age 60 to 74. And the control group, the people not taking peptides, okay, in the, in the course of, I'll just go down to the 12 years, in the course of 12 years, 44% of the non-peptide people died. Pretty much normal for Russian, Ukrainian people in the study. On the other hand, there was a group taking only the pineal gland peptide, one peptide, the reduction in mortality was half. It went from 44% in the non-peptide group, it dropped to 22.3% in the peptide group. In other words, taking one peptide, and remember there's now 21 of these peptides, but taking one peptide, the pineal, which is a very powerful peptide, they reduced the mortality or the death rate by half over a period of 12 years. Okay. Then in the next slide, we're going to go to an older group, uh, this is what the Russians call the old people. The Russians, unfortunately, are not the most diplomatic. We would never say old people. Um, <laughs> but this group was 75 to 89, and I'm in this group now. I'm going to be 77 uh, next month, actually. Wow. Um, so in this group, the uh, control, um, not taking a peptide, and this was a six-year study because, of course, these people were older. In the six-year study in the non-peptide group, basically 82% of these people died because of their age, okay? 81.8 actually was the death rate. When they added one peptide to a portion of the group, it reduced the mortality rate down to 45.8 or basically 46%. So from 82% with one peptide, it dropped to 46%. When they added a second peptide, 
in, in a group of these people, it dropped it further down to 33%. That's insane. That is insane. That is amazing. Yes. Well, it is amazing, yes. And so the overall was that the people in this age bracket of 75 to 89, without the peptides, 82% of them died. With two peptides, 33% of them died. Yeah, that's how Massive. powerful they are in terms of mortality reduction. Who doesn't want that? So we go back um, then to the biological hallmarks that I was talking about. We've we are now going to talk about telomeres and DNA because those both relate to biological age. What we've covered at this point is organ regeneration. We've covered mortality reduction. Now we're going to actually look at biological age reversal. So the, the study that we're gonna start with is the epigenetic methylation study, which we started about four years ago. Um, and we'll define here what is epigenetics. It's all about which uh, genes are turned on and which genes are turned off. It's a very complex process to do that. And this next slide is basically going to list the things that impact epigenetics, um, things like lifestyle and environmental uh, impact, uh, things like diet, stress, exercise, sleep, climate, nutraceuticals, peptides, etc. We don't know specifically what impacts epigenetics, what what determines if the gene is going to be turned off or off, on or off. But we kind of have suggestive evidence at this point that things like I just listed, diet, stress, exercise, sleep, have an impact. But we can't pick out one and say that one is much more effective or impactful than the others. Um, and what we do know is that the epigenetics, we don't alter DNA at all, but we simply determine how DNA is read and how genes are turned on and off. And I won't go through the rest of it, um, but we know that epigenetics has a lot to do with longevity and also mortality risk. Now, that's nice that we are kind of looking at this, but if you can't measure it, it doesn't really, it isn't very helpful. So you've got to be able, in the world of science, you've got to be able to measure things to, for any result to be meaningful. In other words, what does it mean? Well, we're real fortunate that with telomeres, we can measure the length of telomeres over time and see if an intervention um, slows down the telomere loss, lengthens telomeres. With epigenetics, we can do the same because over the last 10 years, the, uh, it has become possible to create what we call epigenetic clocks. In other words, we can actually measure or assess what, an what a person's epigenetic age is and Dr. Stephen Horvath out of UCLA, which is where I uh, went to law school, um, is basically is the leader at, in what we call the epigenetic clocks. So this is a slide for those listening of a bunch of, uh, I guess you'd call them uh, clocks inside the body. And what this is representing is that we can measure the age of all the major organs at this point as a composite. We can't measure them individually, but we can go through and create a, a clock that tells us roughly the epigenetic age of the organism. And we've actually refined it a little bit, and I'm gonna get into that in a moment. What Dr. Horvath discovered, and when I say Dr. Horvath, Dr. Horvath had a, a group of about 60 scientists working full-time for five years in order to come up with this epigenetic age mm -hmm. clock and so forth. There were prior clocks, but Dr. Horvath is at the moment probably the, 
not probably, is the most accurate that we have. What he found, or what they found, is that if you're aging faster than your calendar age, in other words, if your epigenetic age or biological age, you could say, is aging faster than your calendar age, you have increased your typical risk of dying. And what he found was if you're eight years or more faster than your calendar age or chronological age, that equals to twice the typical risk of dying. In other words, you have doubled the risk of dying if you're aging eight years or more faster than your chronological age. And we can measure people's epigenetic age, and we then can compare that to their chronological age, and we can then determine what their risk of dying is, what their mortality risk, and I'm going to show you those results. The other side of that, a little happier side of that, is that if you're aging slower than your chronological, in other words, if your biological systems, your, your uh, systems, your organs, et cetera, if those are aging slower than your chronological age, you have reduced your risk of death. Okay, So mm -hmm. that's the things that we look at, eight years faster, seven years slower. So let me show this in a graph. I know that the people that are listening. So if we took a person, let's say, who is six years, aging six years faster, in other words, their epigenetic age, or we sometimes call it DNA methylation age, but we'll call it their epigenetic age. Let's say that their epigenetic age is six years more than their chronological age, okay? What that means is that they have about a 75% increased mortality risk compared to their same age peers. That's pretty significant and mm -hmm. I would say pretty scary. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're standing next to your best friend and their biological age is the same as their chronological age and yours is six years older, you have a 75% greater chance of dying than they do. Okay. So the other side of that is let's look at what happens if you in terms of percentage risk if you're aging slower than your chronological. So let's take a person, well, let's take that same seven years. If a person is seven years less than, epigenetically, less than their chronological age, they have a 50% decreased mortality risk. In other words, you're standing next to your friend, they have uh, biological or epigenetic age the same as their chronological, but you're seven years younger epigenetically. You have a 50% reduced risk of mortality compared to your friend at that point. So let's show this in some labs then. Um, again, for the, for the listeners, what I have here, these are lab test results from different labs where we're able to measure a person's epigenetic age compared to their chronological. And what this first one shows is this individual who is uh, Daniel, this test was done in 2019, um, he was 53 chronologically at that time, but his DNA age, as we call it, or his epigenetic age was that of a 55-year-old. So in other words, he was aging a little bit faster than his chronological, biologically, by two years. He was in the 16th percentile compared to his peers at that point. Well, we then come back to this uh, at two years. This is the, the graph for those listening. We have our graph here as to what that means uh, percentage-wise in terms of increased risk. If you're two years older biologically than your chronological, you have a 25% increase 
all-cause risk of mortality. Now, this next one is Daniel, same guy. After about two years of uh, on the peptide bioregulators, we're now at the beginning of 2021. He's now 55, so he's aged two years from 53 to 55. But his DNA age has gone down to 51. So it went from 55 to 51, okay? Now, that, people will sometimes look at that and they'll say, well, but that's only four years. But it isn't the number of years. It is the mortality yep. reduction that we're looking at. So mm -hmm. now he's four years younger. So he has a 28% reduced risk of mortality. Mm -hmm. When he was two years older, he had about a 25 to 35% increased risk of mortality. Now he's down to, you might say the plus side, he's got a 28% decreased mortality risk. That's, That's a really, really important thing. Even though it's only a few years difference, the risk of dying has dropped dramatically. Yeah, it's tremendous, uh, Lisa. Mm. So let's see what that, we call it the mortality risk gap. So in this particular example, this is Michael. He's uh, chronologically 57, but his DNA age or epigenetic age is 62. So he's five years older. At five years older, he has an elevated mortality risk of 62%. Okay? That's the what we call the mortality risk uh, gap. Let's go to the next one here. Now, this is a fellow that's extreme. This is a, uh, he's a... Um, pharmacist in Europe. His baseline test in 2019, he was 57 chronologically, but he's 72 DNA-wise. He's 15 years older epigenetically than his chronological age. He was in the one percentile compared to his peers. In other words, pretty much everybody else was far better off than he was. Mm. At 15 years, he has about a 200% all-cause mortality risk. So after um, about three years, this is the same fellow. He's now uh, 57, I think it says. No, no, he's um, 61. 61. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we reduced it down to 67. So now he's only six years uh, difference between his biological and his chronological. His mortality risk has dropped down from about 200% to 65%. So again, it's not the actual numbers that are important. It's the mortality risk reduction percentage that really is the important thing. And he's hopefully going to live longer. Oh, yes. Well, certainly the chances are extremely much, high. Much and, better. And we don't, yeah, and we don't stop here. Uh, this fellow is still in the program, and we expect to get him down to where his chronological is equal to his uh, biological. And then our goal, and I'm going to show this in a few moments, our goal is to get everyone down to at least seven years less than yep. their chronological. Okay, let's go to the next slide here. And this is an example of some of these. So this is Mark. Uh, this is 2021. Um, he was, at this point, seven years older uh, DNA-wise. He was 60, basically 70. DNA or methylate, I'm epigenetically 70. He was 63 uh, chronologically, and so seven years older. And we put him on the program. And about a year and a half, two years later, we got wow. extraordinary results. Mm -hmm. He's uh, now, he was 64 now, 
but he's 48. So he's down 16 years younger than his My. chronological age. Uh, this is me. Um, this was done in 21. I had been on the peptides for about four years at that point. And so my baseline test showed that I was actually four years younger than my chronological because I had been on the peptides. Um, we, we couldn't test earlier than this. That is, Orvis test was not available commercially. Um, and so at age 73, my uh, epigenetic age was basically 67. Uh, well, no, wait a minute. 68.7. Yep. Yeah, four years less. So mm -hmm. then a couple of years later, I retested and had dropped it to 10 years less. Wow. And you'd this, gotten older in the meantime. <laughs> gotten older. So at this point, I'm 75 but I'm basically 65 biologically. So I've reduced my biological age by another six years or so. And again, it's the percentage of reduction uh, of risk that's important. Um, now, this is really interesting. Um, just in the last year or so, maybe 18 months, um, True Diagnostic, the lab that we use for this testing, uh, the leaders commercially in terms of epigenetic aging, figured out how to do an epigenetic age assessment of a person's immune system. And so what we have here is, uh, I think this is, yeah, this is me. I was 76 at the time, but my immune system came in equivalent to a 62-year-old. Mm -hmm. And that's based on, you know, the years and years that I've been doing all the healthy things I could do. Um, the peptide bioregulators and so forth, uh, et cetera. We don't have a baseline because this test wasn't available until just a year or so ago. But to be, uh, what, 14 years or so less than my um, Amazing. chronological age immune system, I'm really pleased with that. Yep. That, should, that should result in a lot less vulnerability to all diseases that come along. Maybe that's part of the reason I never had, um, I haven't had a cold a sniffle, flu, et cetera, in 40 years. Wow. I didn't have any exposure. I had lots of exposure. I didn't have COVID, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think it's because of this immune system. Is, okay, is, so. is, yep. Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatamati.com. We had Ryan on the show just last week going through my uh, epigenetic age. So this, this yeah. fits perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan's a great guy. Mm. Um, now, this is the newest thing um, where we can basically determine what your pace of aging is compared to your chronological. So in other words, 1.00 would be a chronological 12 months passed by, you're a year older, okay? But uh, Ryan, through diagnostic, they, his team of people have figured out how to um, determine what a person's pace of aging is biologically. And what this shows in this example 
is that at uh, 0 0.85, this person is aging slower biologically than their chronological age. And in fact, with 0 0.85, this person is um, um, aging 15% slower than their chronological. Now, I know that Lisa, that we have your results that have come in. Yeah. Spectacular plus. Tell tell everybody what your pace of yeah. Is. Mine came in at uh, 0. 0.69, which is which is pretty good. Yeah, thirty one percent slower than your chronological age. Mm. But I do an awful lot. You know, like I have an extensive protocol, and hopefully soon the bioregulators will be all added to that. And then, yes. then what should go? Start. It's wonderful. As I mentioned <laughs> before we went on the air, I've only seen, you know, I've done hundreds of these tests on people. Most of them are in the study or doctors. Um, only one person has a slower pace of aging than you do out of out of well over a hundred doctors. Wow, that's pretty cool. I'm pretty stoked with that. That's what Ryan said too. It's pretty phenomenal. So I'll, I'm doing something right. I'll keep going, but I want to add the bioregulators now. <laughs> I think you're doing a lot of things right. So and the bioregulators <laughs> will be just a nice plus to what you're doing. Excellent. Now the, this slide, and I don't know that people, the ones that are just listening, um, I'll try and summarize it for you. This is a person with a pace of aging of 1.17. In other words, they're aging much faster biologically than their chronological age by 17%. And in the uh, research that's been done by Belsky and his team of scientists, they figured out, and I'll read it to you, if you're aging above a rate of 1.00, in other words, if your biological aging rate is faster than your chronological, this is the quote, you would increase risk of death by 56% over the next seven years. So this piece of aging is really critical. And what we do is we try and get everyone down with the peptide biorig is we try and get them down into about 0 0.93 or less is what our optimal goal is for these people. That would give people about a 7% slower uh, epigenetic age pace than their chronological, which we think is at least the minimum optimal place. Amazing. So what's coming next uh, from Ryan at True Diagnostic, and he's been promising this to me for a few months at this point, <laughs> but it always takes longer. Um, Ryan is going to be able to provide a epigenetic age for individual organs. Did, did he mention this to you? Yes, he did. He said it's coming shortly. He, he promised me in a few weeks. So yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah, six months ago, he promised it in a few months. <laughs> There's a lot of work to do, to be fair. Oh, <laughs> immense. I mean, this is groundbreaking. This is, you know, you know this is Nobel Prize kind of stuff. So yeah. what that means is that Ryan, at True Diagnostic, is going to, instead of just giving me, not stick in addition to giving me an overall organism and an overall immune, he's going to be able to say to me or provide me the labs to show what the biological or epigenetic age of your liver is, your heart, your brain, your bladder, uh, the stomach, your thyroid, your lungs, and so forth. And this becomes critical because I mentioned earlier that there's 21 different peptides to various organs and they're all organ specific. So if I get a true di true diagnostic assessment back that says someone's lungs are, you know, 10 years older than their chronological age, 
then I will be able to focus more of the peptides towards lung, you know, regeneration. And so wow. if I find that someone's kidneys are much younger than their chronological, I don't need to worry so much about using peptides. And so it gives me the ability to be very specific in terms of the protocol. And I'm going to show you a protocol in a moment. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, because this is, you know, you know, the first organ to go is, is you know, could be the end of you, you know, especially if it's your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, you could literally have an overall epigenetic age, let's say five years younger, but if you had a vital organ that yeah. was accelerated aging, it's 10 years older than your chronological, you could die from that that particular exactly. failure of that, of that organ, even though yeah. the rest of it looks pretty good. Mm. So this is a sample protocol that I create. Uh, we use people's telomere results that we're going to get to in a moment. We use the DNA methylation, um, the epigenetic age factors, but we also use any health issues that they're dealing with when I construct this. And I say that we don't use it to cure because I'm not a medical doctor. But since almost everybody in the clinical study are physicians or health providers of one type or another, um, and what I'm doing is not curing a disease, I'm basically regenerating, strengthening organs. So I include peptides. So if a person, let's say, has some kidney, some kidney, uh, let me go back, some kidney issues, um, we'll build in more peptides, or they've got uh, a history of heart disease will build in more peptides, not to cure the heart disease because I can't legally do that, but to basically regenerate the heart. Um, for instance, if they have uh, some plaque buildup and some arterial issues, I'll use a lot more of the arterial peptide. So that's a typical protocol. The typical looks like about five or six different peptides. We cycle through all of them through the course of a year so that in 12 months, they will have used all the 20, pretty much all the 21 peptides. So um, we've talked about epigenetic study, epigenetic age. What we have seen using 47 participants, and this slide is somewhat old. There's, as I say, there's now 100 uh, uh, people in the clinical studies, but not all of them have been in two years for the epigenetic. They're still working their way through. But of the people who had been there two years, the average decrease in their epigenetic age was 4.67 years. Again, we go back to, that didn't sound like a huge number, but when you think about it in terms of risk, risk reduction, reduction, if you're almost five years younger, you know, you're talking about a 35 to 40% decrease in all-cause um, uh, mortality. If you were older, say, by five years at your baseline, um, at that point, you're about a 75% increase in all-cause mortality. And if we reduced that down to, you know, by four or five years, we've dropped your risk mortality down to like 20% instead of 70 or 80%. This so, is this is just absolutely mind-blowing, really, it is. Um, and it actually is true. I mean, this is the evidence. This is, this not, is data. Yeah, this is not a guy standing up and saying, yeah, the, these peptides will do this and this and this and, and go to my webpage and sign up and we'll send them to you. No, <laughs> that's nonsense. This is science. This is real evidence real data and so forth. So then um, the last portion of this is, why don't, if we're doing organ regeneration, if we reduce people's mortality, let's reverse their age as well, their biological mm -hmm. age. And so uh, we'll talk about how we do that. 
we do that primarily with telomere, uh, reversal telomere elongation uh, and so forth. I won't go into it because you, people can get the detail from the other uh, YouTubes, but basically telomeres are the little end caps on our chromosomes. And what's been discovered is that telomeres are a protective cap on the end of the chromosomes. And when we're young, we have long telomeres. When we get older, because each time our cells replicate and our cells are replicating all the time, each time the cell replicates, you lose a little bit of that end cap. Sometimes I'll use the metaphor of an automobile tire. Every time you drive on that tire, you use up a little bit of that rubber until it finally gets down to the point where you've used up most of the tread and it becomes dangerous to keep on driving and you'll have a blowout, you'll skid, you know, things of that nature. But telomeres are sort of like that. They are the protecting ends. Some people will use um, the idea of um, uh, athletic shoes, tennis shoes, and so forth. You know, the shoelaces where they have that little plastic aglet okay. at the end. Um, as long as that little plastic aglet is intact, you can lace up the shoe. Well, as that aglet deteriorates and, and falls apart and so forth, it's difficult, if not impossible, to finally get the shoelace to go through the little holes and so on. Well, that's sort of what telomeres are. Um, some quick science background. Uh, telomeres have a broad span of medical relevance. They have to do with aging. They have to do with mortality as well as chronic disease. In other words, if a person has short telomeres, they're going to age faster. If they have short telomeres, they're, they're more risk for dying, basically. If they have short telomeres, they are more vulnerable to chronic disease. And there are thousands of clinical studies now that talk about the relationship of telomeres to aging, to risk of death, to chronic disease. Let's go to... Um, this is Elizabeth Blackburn. It's a picture of Elizabeth Blackburn. She received, co-received the Nobel Prize in 2009 with uh, Carol Greider and a, and a fellow from Harvard. And I'll read what, what it says. Um, telomerase, which is the enzyme that telomeres are, come from, slows the rate at which telomeres degrade. And research indicates people with longer telomeres have less risk of developing the common illnesses of aging. So... Thousands and thousands of people have been tested over the years for telomeres. And what we know is that people who have long telomeres live longer, have less disease. People with short telomeres, they die earlier. They have a lot more medical problems. This is a chart that shows um, short telomeres play a central role in the development of age-related diseases. And for the people listening, basically telomeres are related or associated with every major disease. In other words, if you have short, short telomeres, you're more prone to things like macular degeneration, cancer, heart disease, um, diabetes, uh, cognitive function issues, Alzheimer's, wrinkles, uh, arthritis, and you, you name it. And people with shorter telomeres are more prone to have these diseases. So the bottom line is you want longer telomeres. And until recently, there was no way to lengthen telomeres. Um, that's now a thing of the past. Let's see here. Um, this is another scientist, American scientist, a wonderful guy. He and I correspond frequently. He's written the only medical textbook dealing with telomeres used in American medical schools. Mm -hmm. And his 
statement here is telomerase activation is the single most promising approach to reversing the effects of aging. Now, I really like Michael Fossil. He's written some great books. He's written one book that's called The Telomerous Revolution that is a lay person can read and understand this in about three hours. Um, If a person reads this, they will have a tremendous in-depth understanding of telomeres. What I disagree with is where he says it's the most promising approach to reversing the effects of aging. I disagree. And I think Michael said this before there was a lot of um, epigenetic information out there. It is a very significant approach to reversing the effects of aging. I would place epigenetic uh, intervention just slightly above this. The nice thing is if you can do both, you've got then a powerful intervention for mortality reduction, organ regeneration, and biological age. So I would amend this a little bit and say telomerase activation and epigenetic interventions are the single most promising so forth. So uh, the Russians um, published a study. This is one, this one is uh, 2003 uh, showing epitalin, which is a peptide bioregulator. It's a uh, injectable one that they were using at that time. Peptide, epitalin peptide induces telomerase activity and telomere elongation in humic somatic cells. The first time that anyone in the world of science back in 2003 had been able to lengthen telomeres, never been yeah. done before. To this mm. date, other than one, one company using a particular product um, called TA65, yep. uh, the, it's only the bioregulators bio that can lengthen telomeres. And the TA65, it's a good little product, but it's fairly minimal uh, in terms of lengthening telomeres. It maybe in a year's time can lengthen telomeres by about two years. You're going to see in our study results here that we lengthen telomeres by 15, 20, 25 years over the same time frame. Wow. Just a, a quick end of one on that. I have been on epitalon bioregulators um, and I'm you know, going through menopause and I hadn't had a cycle for um, well over a year. And after being on the epitalon uh, for just six weeks, I had a normal cycle again. I can't put it down. I can't say it's for that for sure, obviously. Um, but the, that's the only thing I've changed in my protocol. Yeah, they are very powerful. Uh, that's why there, there are the 21 of them that impact every single major system in the organs. Mm. So let's go and look at some telomere stuff there. So we, the clinical study, telomere, telomerous activation study, started about six plus years ago. Um, and this is just a sample of, um, we had 52 subjects. Now we have 152 subjects in the initial telomere study. We used all the 21 peptides. This is just a listing of some of the, the most important ones. Um, arterial system, the CNS, central brain, uh, central nervous system, brain, cartilage, liver, pancreas, pineal gland, thymus, but I say there's 21 of them, and we use these in the protocol. So here are the here's the data. Here's the proof. Okay, um, this is me. Uh, I think an ethical scientist will always experiment on themselves first. Yeah. Uh, you start grabbing your loved ones and your <laughs> and so forth after that. Um, yep. As you see, that's exactly what I did. So this is uh, me at age 66. My first telomere test lab. This is before I knew anything about the Russian peptides, had not made any contact with them. 
So at 66, my telomeres were equivalent to a man of 72. In other words, they were seven years um, more accelerated in terms of telomere loss. What we know from Elizabeth Blackburn's work and others is that stress is the number one item that accelerates telomere loss. Um, people who live high stress lives typically have much shorter telomeres, which results in a shorter life, more diseases and so forth. That was me. I was going through period of prior to this. I was um, for a number of years doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. I was building shopping centers. I was building medical buildings. I built a cable system in a large city. I had 16 retail stores just on and on and on. It was the worst period of my life. Because um, I'm just not cut out to to do all that kind of stuff. Anyway, high stress life. So at 66, my telomeres are 72. I've got accelerated telomere aging. So two years later, I'm 68, and I've even gotten worse now. Uh, this is before peptides, and I now have a telomere age of 75. So I'm seven years accelerated in terms of my telomere loss. Not a good picture. Mm. Then I discover um, the, in October of 2015, I meet with Kavinson. I have been corresponding with them a little bit at that time. Uh, I head to St. Petersburg, knock on their door. They being very wonderful people, welcomed me in. They were so surprised that a scientist from America would have any interest in anything that they were doing. It also helped that my family is originally from Russia. Um, and so, uh, I started at this point, this test, I started peptides in October of 2015. This is June of 2016. I did my first uh, telomere test post-peptides. And I'm 70 years old, but now my telomeres have, re have lengthened and they're equivalent to a 68-year-old. First time that my telomeres are younger than my chronological age. And this was only after about eight months. So Eight months. Marching on two years later, another telomere test. I'm on been on the telomeres continue or on the uh, peptides continually. I'm now 72. My telomere age has been reduced to 44. Wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah, so I have the telomeres of a 44 year old. Continuing on, two years later, I'm 73. My telomeres are equivalent to a 35 year old at this point. Wow. And I'm not the only. So then uh, this is Vess Jones, who is my significant other of the last 12 years. Vess, incredibly healthy person, probably the healthiest person I, I've ever encountered. She hasn't taken a, a gram of sugar into her body in 40 years. Um, just as fit as can be, a ballroom competitive dancer, et cetera. But her baseline telomere test, also because of stress, at age 60, her telomeres were equivalent to a 63-year-old. So even she, with all those years of being healthy and all the rest of it, had accelerated telomere loss at this point. Mm -hmm. So I won't go through the interims, but then a couple of years later, um, at 62, we brought her telomeres down to a 33-year-old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. That's fine. And this, I just had to throw this in because this is Bess at age, she's now 67. This is Bess at age 65. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. As can be. Yeah, mm. because she's a competitive ballroom dancer. So, wow. Okay. Now, let's move away from me and loved ones. This is um, Tora Bright. Tora is an Olympic gold and silver um, medal winner. 
in the 2018, let me move this out of the way. Um, she was a snowboarder, okay? Um, and it was interesting because the doctors, the Olympic doctors, they test everything. And I, I wasn't aware of this, uh, including telomeres. And I was stunned. Uh, the Olympic doctor that tested her at age 32, her telomeres came back at, at equivalent to a 56-year-old woman. Wow. And the reason for that, as I stated earlier, is stress. And these young people, uh, Tora started uh, training, skiing and so forth when she was about five years old and competitive, I think, at six or seven. So she had been 25 plus years as a competitive and then finally an Olympic uh, competitor and under tremendous stress, of course, uh, not only physical, but emotionally, you know, all, all of that stuff. Um, so her telomere or the Olympic doctor referred her to a doctor in Park City because they were doing a lot of training, even though she, uh, she you know, she's from New Zealand. Yeah. 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 Yep. I, 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 I heard that. They were doing a lot of training in, in uh, Park City. Um, so sent, sent her to a Park City doctor. That doctor knew that I was running these studies, so he sent her to me. We put her on a uh, peptide bioregulator program. And um, and this is quite safe for athletes to do. Say it again? This is safe for athletes to do. Like there's, there's no, yes. It's not banned or anything. So less than two years later, uh, this is the retest. Uh, she was now um, 30, I think, I think she was 32 or 33, but her telomeres came in as a 31-year-old. Wow. So we reduced her telomeres from a 56-year-old equivalent to a 31-year-old. Mm. And athletes often have an accelerated telomere shortening, so I'm interested to see what mine will turn out to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so this is a spreadsheet. There are pages and pages of these for the people over here on the left-hand side. I know you can't see the small print, but on the left-hand side is the baseline telomere test results for these people, their chronological age, their telomere age, uh, the percentile, uh, actually a measurement in kilobytes as to what their length of their telomeres were, the test dates, then a retesting uh, is in the center uh, column over here. And then the difference in terms of, of telomere length is over here in the green. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about this, and we had in the clinical study, we had three different dosage levels. We had a low, medium, and a high dosage level in order for us to understand what different dosage levels would do. And what's surprising is that many people would think that you would get much better results with the high versus the low. Hmm. To some extent, that was accurate, but not nearly as accurate as we thought it might be because of the stress factor. People under a lot of stress are going to basically impair the, the telomerous activation to some extent. And so uh -huh. we tried to figure out, you know, just by questioning people, you know, we would ask them, on a scale of one to 10, what they thought their stress levels were. And of course that subjective is difficult in terms of how, how accurate it is. But what we found was that, that people, uh, the range was people gained as much as, I think here's 20 years, here's 23, 25, here's 47 years here. 47. Huh. You know, it varies, here's 11, here's 13, 19. 
but uh, there was a person, I think, up here. I can't quite see it. Um, Down the bottom, one for two. two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it really ranged. Um, and some of this can be compliance. In other words, were they taking all the peptide and bioregulators on a regular basis? What's their stress like? What other health issues they might have, et cetera? Mm. But on average, though, over a three-year period, the average in all of these people uh, in the study was they gained 21.62 years over a three-year period. In other words, they were averaging a seven-year reduction in telomere biological age for every 12 months on the program. Wow. And that's different than the age of the, um, the, the DNA methylation where you had that 4.6-year difference. But you can't compare the two. Okay. Yeah, and that this is very confusing to people. Um, the telomere is is a a good biological age marker to say that a person's telomeres are equivalent to X. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. In this case, you know, for every year on the program, we were able to reduce their telomere age by seven years. Okay. On the other hand, the epigenetic is nothing about years. It's really all about mortality risk, risk reduction. mortality reduction so, okay yeah yeah when we talk about a 4.67 reduction in epigenetic age what that means is a very significant reduction in all-cause mortality what this means in terms of telomeres is that we've lengthened basically what we've done is we put tread back on the tire and if you have more tread on the tire you can go further yeah, so you've just wiped out one of them or, you know, reduced massively one of the major uh, hallmarks of aging is, you know, now a lot longer, a lot less of a problem you've just given yourself. But some of the other things are different, they're diff just yeah. different. Yeah, a, a crude way of looking at it is that telomeres are like the tires on the car, okay? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. tread on the tires, longer journey. The DNA methylation, you could say, and it's a crude uh, metaphor, but you could say, they're like all of the operating components of the car. Right. They're the engine, the transmission, the onboard computer system, the exhaust system, et cetera. What, how healthy are they? How functional are they? Um, and so what this, again, a crude metaphor is that we can slap on a new set of premium tires and we can basically go in and, and regenerate or repair or replace all the major parts of the engine so that the car has the ability to run a long, long time, both tire-wise as well as mechanically. Gotcha. Okay, so what we've talked about here now is organ regeneration, mortality reduction, biological age reversal. We have shown, I've shown, the labs, clinical studies, the evidence, the data, that all of those are possible to do with peptide bioregulators. And I'll make this statement, and it may sound egotistical. It may sound like I'm, you know, saying more than can be proven. This program that regenerates organs, reduces mortality, changes biological age, is the only program on the planet at the moment that has human study evidence and data proving that all of these things are true. Now, I'm hopeful that tomorrow someone contacts me and says, oh, by the way, we've got this with human study evidence 
We've been doing five-year studies and so forth. I'm the first one that'll grab it and I'll investigate it. And if it's true, it's going to be in my protocol. It's going to be in my program. So I'm not saying I want to be the exclusive guy with the, the program. The one thing, yep. Now, but I want more. And we're going to talk about what more is in just a few moments. Um, I'm hopeful that someone comes along with uh, several things. Like I have a lot of faith in hyperbaric, for instance. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have human clinical studies. Yeah. So I put that in a, what I call the hope category. And I have mm. a whole bunch of things that I do, like hyperbaric, lots of supplements, uh, yep. red light saunas, you name it. I, yep. I'm doing it. Me too. And all of them are what I call hope. And I'm hoping that they will help me be, you know, healthy and, and long lasting. Mm. So the bridge. What this means is that lifespan is 80 to 85 years for most people. The thing that we do with these peptide programs is we can regenerate organs, change your biological age, reduce your mortality so that you will stay healthy as possible for say the next 10 or 15 years because if you can cross that bridge of 10 or 15 year bridge the medical health interventions that will be available then that are just now on the cusp some of them are available now like stem cells okay um there are stem cell treatments i do do some of these mm -hmm. but we don't have the study evidence to show that they will really will increase longevity we hope we think they will mm. but if you stay healthy for the next 10 or 15 years you'll be able to take advantage of all the stuff that's coming and i fully expect within 10 years that common diseases like heart disease, cancer, and so forth, if not curable, will be controllable. Yep. And if that's the case, the common diseases that people die from will not kill people. And at that point, they should be able to leverage another 10 or 15 years of life. So I see the peptide bioregulators as the thing that will get us across that next 10 years so that we maintain our health, and then we can take advantage of all of that. And when That I just makes so much sense. You know, these are some of the things that are being worked on right now. Quantum computers, artificial intelligence, stem cells, gene sequence, replacement of organs, robotics, uh, 3D printing, microbots. All of this is going on right now, either in research or some of these are actually like stem cells and exosomes and V-cells are actually being used. I get regularly every six months, I get stem cell treatments and V-cells and exosomes wow. and so Wow. Um, so that's what's happening now in, in the uh, near future. In addition, I'm sure you've heard, you know, the billionaires who mm -hmm. have a lot more money than they have time left are bankrolling lots and lots of interventions. And this this one shows cell rejuvenation uh, yep. technology because they want to live a long time and enjoy the billions of dollars that they've accumulated. And they're working on things like some of these companies well-known, you know, like Amazon and Google and so forth are funding these things. The problem is that they have spent billions of dollars. They have built entire technology campuses, buildings, hired staffs of 100 plus researchers and so forth. And they're working all the, on all this. And I hope all of it turns into something that we can actually use. Unfortunately, at least at this point, and some of this has gone on for 10 years, not a single thing has been produced that you can actually use today from all of this research. But you have to do the research first. 
The Russians had to do the research, you know, for mm. many, many years before they, they could see the results. So I'm hoping that all of these companies and so forth will start turning out effective human study evidence, effective interventions that help us all to cross that bridge. So we go back to this. Uh, this is a slide for those listening. This is that um, <clears throat> slide of the proto uh, pro or the um, expectations of aging, which we start off as an infant, we go through middle age, adult age, then we start to become very frail and age and become vulnerable and so forth. We have a different expectation, Cavinson and I. Um, this is the paradigm that we think, and it's one that I showed earlier, and that is you start off young, middle age, start to have some deterioration, and then with peptide bioregulators, and then as we cross the bridge with all of these other things available to us, we begin again, you know, almost like at middle age. And add on, we, we believe that our clinical studies confirm right now with the bioregulators, we can have 10 to 20 years of additional healthy lifespan. And I've shown Just you the bit. proof of that already. Wow. So wow. finally, uh, if people want to look at some of the background, some of the history of the peptides and so forth, they can go to, I know the people listening can't see this, but they can go to, if you just- I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, if you go to Bill Lawrence Peptides, you'll see eight or 10 YouTubes um, that talk about the history of all of this. The one that Lisa's doing right now is the most up-to-date, and it basically focuses on the program more than just on the history and the, and the clinical studies. Mm -hmm. so, Final slide that I have here is the longevity protocol that has been in existence from 2017 to 2023 for the six years now. We have scientific proof, published clinical studies, hundreds of lab data results that show that with the bioregulators, we can regenerate organs, we can reduce mortality, and we can change people's biological age. We can uh, make them younger biologically. And that is where we are today. Wonderful, Dr. Bill. That is just so, so full of hope. And so, you know, for, for, for me with uh, dealing with my mum, who's obviously, you know, 82, and um, I'm very, very excited to get these bioregulators and to make them a part of our protocols of what we're doing and to hopefully be a part of your study soon with a little bit of luck uh, and, and be able to report back when you've got the finished research uh, you know, this is an interim look at what you're currently doing. And this really has, I mean, Dr. Cavinson, Professor Cavinson has been doing this since the 1950s, people, the 1950s. And this has a long and huge history. And I will put in the show notes the link to Natalie Nidham's and Michelle Hughes's uh, interviews with Dr. Bill so that you can look at more into the background of this and to the how and the why. But uh, really, this needs to be put on people's radars. It's certainly on my radar now and I'm very very honored and 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 privileged to have Dr Bill share this with us today I'm very very excited to know you Sarah I think it's just an absolute amazing job that you've done um and I know that this is very personal for you too you know you um have a history I've heard you talk about you know with your with your ancestors where not everybody lived that long um, and so, like me, you're desperate to keep your loved ones and you know yourself alive uh, and healthy. And this is the way to. This is the best we have at the moment. Um, 
I have uh, Professor Mike Chan coming on the show next week. I don't know if you know Professor Chan. Um, he is a stem cell. Yeah, so the stem cells are also very promising, but this is really the proof that we have right now, the state of play that we have right now. I had uh, Dr. Bill Andrews on the show uh, quite a while ago. He was a fellow ultra marathon runner, and, uh, and he's a uh, telomere expert as well. Um mm. You know, so there's some very, very interesting science. Um, Dr. Bill, is there anything that you want to add before we wrap up this amazing presentation today? The, the last thing I would say is, excuse me, is that for the last six, seven years, um, our primary focus has been on the administration of these clinical studies. In other words, we needed to develop the data uh, what we were doing, we we called the American studies confirmation studies because the Russians basically proved most of this themselves over the last 40 or 50 years. Mm. So what Kavinson and I had decided to do was, since there's not, unfortunately, a, a great exchange between America and Russia and so forth, mm. we decided that we would do these clinical studies in America with American subjects, participants, American labs, and an American administrator, that being myself. So we've done that. That is, uh, we we still refer to the clinical studies because that's the sort of the foundation. But we have now morphed or translate transferred the clinical studies into this actionable program. So the peptide bioregulators are now available in a program to do all the things that I've shown with evidence that we can do. We do continue the continue the, uh, the clinical studies because. By doing so, we have the the umbrella protection and authority under the FDA to continue doing, and we don't run into the danger of being accused of practicing medicine by curing various organ issues. But mm -hmm. we actually now have a program that is available for people that are interested in basically extending their healthy lifespan. Yeah, and this is yeah, uh, um, this is just something that needs to be people need to be educating themselves about and getting getting onto this program so dr bill i want to thank you for your generous time today uh it's been an absolute honor to have you on and um i can't wait to find out more and where the studies go further and to be involved <laughs> it's been my pleasure lisa it's been a, a pleasure to talk with you to meet you uh, to share this information with you that's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.